0: Hey folks, welcome to episode 250 of the FLW Bass Fishing Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. I'm joined by the birthday boy, Kyle Wood from Norwalk, (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) What's up? Kyle, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Um, Because it's cold and you're at home uh, at the moment, there is going to be some ambient noise, perhaps, which we should mention ahead of time.
1: Yep, we got some, uh, some Christmas music. Rolling in the background, which I know you're a big fan of, Jody, so you'll <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, there might be some sawing and vacuuming going on in the background. Uh, it's just a normal day at the uh, in laws' house.
0: Yeah, Casa de Wood. Well, maybe not Casa de Wood, I guess, if it's in laws, right? Br- Brightwood. All right. Uh, what is the uh, Sue's situation? This is a key point.
1: Uh, well, she was bugging me real bad before we started the podcast, uh, so I. I let her outside, got her off my back. Now she's back, and I think she's sleeping on the bed uh, at the moment. All right, nice. Well, she's peaceful, but definitely not out of the question that at some point she will be over here bugging me to go outside or to. She's really just bored because we've done like a decent amount of pheasant hunting and waterfowl hunting, so she's been pretty active. And, which is bad because that means she's really in shape now. So uh, when she just lays around, she gets like super ill tempered about it.
0: Huh. I she would likes, not have thought she that. She likes
1: being out doing stuff. And now I think she just has the standard that, that that's what happens every day. So I think that's part of what the annoying uh, annoyance to me was earlier uh, was her being like, hey, so we're going to like run somewhere today?
0: Do I get to chase a feathered thing? What's going on? I would think she'd be like, all right, this is great. I get to relax for a little while.
1: Oh, no. There's, there's zero no relax relaxing. No.
0: She's got months to do that. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, let's see. We have, I expect, a pretty good off-season style show this week. Um, Kyle, you're going to talk with Josh Weaver uh, for our mm-hmm. interview portion, which should be excellent, of course. He's coming off literally the first time he's made the cup as a pro, which is kind of exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the cup no longer existing. Uh, right. And uh, then we'll talk about other stuff. We got some BFL news slash just registration-y kind of stuff to plug, uh, some high school fishing news, some TVF news, and uh, then I guess we're going to talk about fishing because that's what we always do. Um, yeah. But there's not only like, a lot of, like, really actual big news going on of late, which is, I guess, a nice change, but also, like, come on, fishing, let's give me some news, right? <laughs>
1: yeah i figure you know another probably in i mean i guess i don't know like 2020 is just around the corner so you'd think we'd uh but we got all the
0: schedules out we got i guess we need a pro circuit field list that's kind of our next big thing right that is i would say definitely the next big thing um which i don't know exactly when that'll be i got a feeling i mean it'll almost certainly be before christmas um but I don't think we know exactly when that's going to happen yet. Hmm. Uh, But probably pretty soon. I know if they're not at 150 right now, they're really close. Yeah. So it's uh, probably probably the final stages. But anyway, why don't we swap on over to uh, Mr. Weaver, then you and I come back and talk in a minute.
1: Let's do it. Well, joining us on the 250th, episode of this podcast uh we have none other than mr joshua weaver uh josh thanks so much for joining me man
2: oh yeah glad to be here
1: i forward uh forward
2: to uh, looking forward to another good season this year
1: well I, and uh i definitely want to talk to you about that i know it's been a little bit uh since we've had you on the podcast uh it probably would have been Man, I can't even remember when, but there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on in your life, especially this past year. Um, that there to, has been, uh, first and foremost, uh, I've, I've told you this before, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, so the folks listening can know you are recently a married man, uh, as of this past May, June, somewhere in there.
2: May 25th. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it was, it was awesome. Uh, you know right in between our Chickamauga tournament I kind of came off a bad tournament there and uh and then the uh, Champlain tournament and I got married uh went down and had a good honeymoon had some relaxing time got back and basically went straight up to Champlain so I was I was on cloud 9 going up there knowing I had to catch him to make the cup and uh we got it done You uh, did end of the year on a good note and uh cup Wasn't as good, wasn't as good as uh, my season was, Uh, but just being there, you know, with the experience, just having that experience, and then especially, you know, now, it being the last Forestwood Cup, you know, that that was just really cool, me me getting to make it at least one time in my lifetime. For sure,
1: for sure. Well, I mean, you'd been there before as a co-angler. Right. To the Cup. I
2: don't, I, I mean... I consider that making it, but I don't consider that making it. No, I
1: I, I understand. I understand. This was your first. Uh, it was your first cup appearance as a pro. Um, it That's was. Right. I think your fourth year on tour. Right, 2019 was your fourth year uh, as a pro. Right, and it was. That's correct. It was no doubt the the best season you've had. Um, I think it really got rolling on Seminole. You know, you had that top ten finish there, and I think to at least to myself that was um no shocker you know it was kind of like being home for you uh almost and that had to feel great uh to to bank a good check and good points that early in the year right
2: oh it really did you know missing a check i think i was two or three ounces out of a check at rayburn and i was like one or two ounces out of a check wherever we went where did we go back in toho yep um so, and, and on top of that, you know, uh, me and Buddy had kind of found the same stretch. And uh, he ended up winning off of it. Um, oh. So, that was cool, you know. <laughs> so, I was on the right fish in the first two tournaments to do very well. And I uh, just couldn't make it happen. You know, the first tournament at, at Rayburn, I lost, uh, I lost like two fives and a seven on the first day. And uh, coming in with only like 11 pounds. So that that hurt me big time, um, and I was pretty bummed out, you know, being that close. You know, I, I got – those are two good point tournaments, but the points don't pay the bills if you're not cashing check. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, it, Seminole definitely was nice. You know, it, I had the worst practice I've ever had on that lake. Um, the worst three days I've really ever had on that lake. One of the days, keyed me in, I called a – uh i caught about a six or seven off of i made pulled up this spot and I knew that they were always there during the winter time and uh my first cast up there i caught a six or a seven and then i left and just kind of expect tried to find other stuff the rest of the time and uh caught one of the biggest fish i've ever caught in the lake i think one in one day of practice i caught a six a seven and a nine and those were the only three Gosh. bites i had all day <laughs> Dang. And uh, never caught another fish off of any of those spot. The uh, other two spots, only that one spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: so I,
2: I was uh, I was definitely in uh, panic mode. I told Dad I'm going to zero on my home lake. Uh, I was I was nervous going into that first day, and then at about eleven o'clock, pulled up and caught fifteen pounds and five casts. And I was like, "Okay, we can we live we live today too." Yep, yep, and then obviously that day too was that magical first like seven casts of the morning. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you had like twenty one or something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean it was just insane. So it was a, uh, it was definitely a fun tournament. That's for sure. It was. I'll tell you what you know. all you know, being good friends with the McMillans, you know, they always tell me how nerve wracking it is to have a tournament at, basically on your home lake, which – them and Okeechobee, they live on the lake. Me and Seminole, I've just grown up going there, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 times a year. Right. So I consider that my home lake. And, uh, man, it, you know, you just want to perform at your top level because everybody expects you to. Yeah. If you don't catch them there, then you're everybody's like, what the heck, you know, he must not know the lake very good. So I kind of wanted to uh, prove to everybody that I could compete at the highest level on my home lake, you know, so that that was pretty cool.
1: Well, and uh, obviously you got ninth there. You go to Grand, which was super tough, but you scratch out a check. Um, You go to Cherokee, you get another check, almost make a top 30 cut. Um, Chickamauga, like you mentioned at the beginning, was uh, that was kind of a – where things sort of took a dive for borderline I'm not making the cup. You finished 152nd, um, and I know you mentioned it already that, you know, then you get married, you get to go to Champlain all happy, but what was the difference like, um, say, like two years ago, if you would have had Chickamauga and then just went to Champlain after that finish versus Chickamauga, you know, getting married, you know, kind of being on cloud nine and then rolling to Champlain?
2: Well, you know – Two years ago, I think was when we went up there after I'd had an amazing money year. I had some really good yep. tournaments, a yep. couple second place finishes. So I, money wise, I was you know had no worries. I was just kind of swinging for the fences in all those tournaments, and it showed. You know that, that's kind of what I've learned in being, in fishing. You know, uh, for my four years, you can't always swing for the fences, and yep. I, I had a problem with that in the beginning. As my stats show, you know I've I've had a fair amount of top tens for uh, my few years that I've been on the tour, and but I've had my fair amount of plus hundred place finishes too. So that just shows you that I either go for the win or top ten or or a bomb. Um, so this past year was just kind of you know trying to focus on consistency. You know whether it be sure. you know back up and punt and catch a limit first before I go try to do all my other stuff or, you know, just spend a whole day of practice looking for a place where I can get a limit. And in the, in the past, you know, I might not have might not have done that as much. Might've just been looking for those stretches that you just get four to maybe five bites on, you know? Sure. And, uh, so, and, But, yeah, definitely go from getting married and I, my stress level was very high. I was super disappointed after Chickamauga because um, I had a fairly good practice and the Chickamaugas always had my number. I don't know why. I can always seem to catch them decent in practice. And then in the tournament it just goes away. Um, I had two spawns found. And I had a bunch of breadbed fish found, and they just turned into little ones or disappeared. And uh, it was really, it was really frustrating. And then you know I was all pissed off, and the kid come home, get married, go on the honeymoon. Stress level went from out the roof to zero. Yeah. Um So going into going into Champlain, I had you know no stress. I had a, and you know, we had a long break. We had like two months in between those tournaments. So I had a lot of time to, to pray and be like, well, if, if I'm meant to make the cup and I put in all the work that I'm supposed to put in, then I'm going to make it. You know, mm-hmm. I just left it all up, left it all up in the Lord's hands and, uh, studied that lake like you wouldn't believe. You know, <laughs> just every day I get off work and be looking at contour lines, looking at maps of the lake and, uh, Thinking, should I gamble and make the run down the tie? Um, looking back, I think I did the right thing just to try to make the cup. Yep. But yep. They they were catching the. They were. Oh, they yeah, were It was going down, out, man. Like the fish down there. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, but that, I mean, this I think this year was a really good example, especially how you ended it uh, on Champlain of like veteran Josh Weaver versus like rookie Josh Weaver, right? You. You stuck around um, the north end where there's plenty of good fish to be caught, right? Obviously, you made a day three cut. um, But, yeah, had you been tempted to go down there too, um, you know, guys were catching them really good down there. But also I think a lot of guys kind of um, cannibalized themselves, other than the handful of guys we saw staying strong, you know, going into the final days. Um, So that could have went either way for you. But I think you played it really, really well. You got a check. You got really good points. You finished 32nd overall um that was just a really 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 um good veteran move i think from from your
2: end right yeah and it and it literally took everything in me not to go down there <laughs> because you know you, you talk to people and they're like oh cracking them on a chatterbait or a swim jig or swim bait i'm just oh, like gosh dang. Oh, God, like killing me. i'm up here with a spinning rod in my hand yeah. uh, but no i ended up catching a, a way that was super fun up up the lake you know i I uh, I found them on top water in one little area, and man, it was so much fun. Those big smallmouth coming up, dude, that's and cool. I just wish I could have got all the ones that came up and blowed up on it in the boat. I would have been uh, definitely making the day four cut. Um, but just happy to happy to happy to get out of there with a good check and make the cut. So I was I was ecstatic. Uh, my dad came up there, and uh, practiced with me, and then uh, was there. Was standing on the dock when I came in after day two. So, you know, I was, I was kind of on. So I get a call from my one of my good friends um, after day one. I'm on the way to the ramp on day two, and he calls me. And you know, I think I had like sixteen pounds, high fifteen or sixteen pounds on day one, and was in around like fiftieth. So I was like, you know, if I finish the same place, then I think I'll make it. Mm -hmm. And he calls me like, hey, I did the math. You're not in. You got to do better today. (laughs) And that's not really the call you want to get on the way to the ramp in the morning. You're like, oh, do I I change tactics? What do I got to do tomorrow? (laughs) Um, So when I came in on day two, you know, and the last kind of last 30 minutes on day two, I went to one of my largemouth areas on the north end and, uh, and I, I flipped up like a five-and-a-half-pound largemouth. And so that, that fish solidified me making the cup. And, dude, I was uh, – you probably heard me scream across the lake. <laughs> I yeah. was so pumped. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, that, my dad's an emotional person. So when I came up to the ramp, and he always holds his thumb up or down, like, questioning me, what did I got? And I held two thumbs up, and he just broke down crying. and <laughs> right there he go to do that, got me in the cup. So – it was super cool him being up there and us experiencing that together. So that was a lot of fun. Oh man, yeah that
1: that's uh that's some of those priceless memories that uh, you know that's what's cool about having folks that your support crew can when they can actually physically be there at an event with you to to experience those highs and lows that, that you guys go through tournament by tournament is uh that's pretty that's pretty dang cool.
2: Oh it, yeah, it, it was something that I will never forget. That's for sure.
1: Now we don't have to really run down the cup a whole lot because, like you said, it wasn't uh, super great. But um, a just being there had to be super cool, and b um, going into an event that you know you're getting paid regardless, right? Like you're just you're getting ten grand regardless of how you do. Um, it's got to be a really really gratifying feeling for a tournament angler.
2: Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I've never been besides my co-angler tournaments, never been in a tournament where you know you're going to get ten grand regardless whether you finish last, which I did, or you finish first. You know, you win three points, three hundred thousand. But you know that that tournament was more for me was, um, I was going in to win. You don't go into the cup for second. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I had a very very good practice. It was, and what I've come to learn is when you have good practices, normally they don't turn into good tournaments. (laughs) So I'm just going to start from whenever now when I start getting bites, I'm just going to start going into the ramp and just be like, nope, not practicing today. Today's a good day. (laughs) No, but I had, I was throwing a topwater bait around, um, just shade trees and stuff. And man, it was, I didn't have any hooks on it. And they were knocking the paint off of these baits. I actually had to call my dad. And say, hey, when y'all fly out here, bring a couple more of these. I only got one. And uh, <laughs> so he brought me some more. And, man, I, it just totally died when that cloudy weather came in. I think that oh, yeah. the high, sunny skies had them pushed up shallow um, around the shade bushes that were throwing shade over the edges of the bank. Mm-hmm. And whenever it disappeared, man, my fish disappeared totally. Um I had the opportunity the first day to have a good bag and then the second day I think I had six or seven pounds or something like that um, but then again you know I just didn't get them in the boat they were just short striking it or or missing it and it, it was really frustrating you know that was that was one of the tournaments that I really thought I was going to do really really well in because um, it fitted my power fishing mm-hmm. ways that I like to do and I was going for the win, you know, that was what, like you said, you know, you go for the win and that you're getting paid regardless. So you don't have to find those places that you can just catch keepers on. And, uh, and I, I committed to the the shallow bite and it just, it bit me, you know, shallow, shallow fish seem to be more inconsistent with when weather changes than deep fish. And I didn't spend nearly enough time trying to find deep fish. Um, so I just committed All day, both days, through the shallow bite, and, you know, just it wasn't the right move for me. Um, It uh, it obviously was for some other people that I was around. (laughs) 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 That just tells me that that I was around the right fish, you know, and uh, that just wasn't meant to be. And fine with me when it's my time, it's my time. I just got to keep putting in the effort.
1: Well, you know, it's one of those things, too, because like you're saying, you, you you don't go to a cup thinking oh let me try to get some points out of this right you're you're going in there trying to win and for a lot of guys regardless of you know whether it's a uh like an flw series event whether it's a uh you know now like a pro circuit event when guys win it tends to be doing what they're good at right you don't usually see someone right. uh winning saying like oh yeah this i'm really bad at this technique but i won you know that that doesn't right. really happen so you know, it, it. You got a good point in going in, trying to do something that you feel confident in, because if you feel confident doing it, when you piece those, when you put those pieces together, it's usually going to pan out really well. Uh, like you said, here it was just conditions kind of changed. You put all your eggs in one basket, it didn't work out, but at least you still got to experience uh, that cup. You still got paid, um, and it was really, you know, I to end a year in a championship event is. Uh, solid all the way around you know whether you uh make the all-american like in the phoenix bass fishing league or you make the flw series championship uh whatever it is like you're doing some stuff if you make the championship (laughs) for that circuit you're fishing
2: oh yeah 100 percent you know just like i said being there with being there with everything especially now that we know that was the last cup you know it makes it even even more special um and i mean what a more fitting person to win than Mr. FL does. <laughs> right?
1: Like, you
2: uh. Know, that was awesome. That was all, you know, I'm not an emotional person at all. And, but when he won, you know, it kind of got me choked up. Um, cause, I mean, he, if anybody deserves it, it's him. You know? Oh, without He's a doubt. won literally everything he's fished except the cup. So, <laughs> yeah. Now he's got that.
1: Yep. No, that was a, that was a pretty good, uh, um, Fitting farewell, I guess. At the time, we didn't know. it, But looking back at it, uh, yeah, that that definitely was uh, that was cool. Um, I guess uh, you know. I mentioned pro circuit. We're we're in December now. You know, it's it's not too long before that gets rocking and rolling next year. Um, and uh, I'll get to see your smiling face out there, right?
2: Oh yeah, I'll be there. Heck yeah, um, uh, I'm looking forward to it
1: i i kind of want to ask uh a little because like i said we're kind of late in the year most guys usually got their stuff locked up sponsor wise or you know whatever they're doing for next year so a um i think i saw did you post something the other day that you just got you got your new boat for next year
2: i did i picked up my new ranger uh again you know I've been with Ranger ever since the beginning. I've always I've I've been in a Ranger ever since I was like ten years old. My dad had Rangers before me, so I don't know any other boat besides a Ranger. Uh, except my aluminum boat, my aluminum boat is a Triton. Uh, oh, okay. That I got when I was fourteen. I I was 14. <laughs> uh, so I got my little my little river and pond boat. Um, I dig it. Yeah, I've always I've always been in a Ranger, and uh, so yeah, I picked up my picked up my ranger the other day and all day today been working on getting uh working on the design for my wrap for my boat and truck this year so uh we got forward to that
1: we got anything uh cool new from the weaver standpoint you know now you're you're a a five-year gonna be a five-year touring pro um any add add add-ups to the lineup of uh um, support you get sponsor-wise any cool new announcements or anything
2: yeah, you know, I got some big announcements going into this year, and, and y'all get to hear it first on here. Um, Ooh, now so we're this talking. Year I, I par- yes, sir. So this year I uh, I partnered up with a local dealership around Middle Georgia, um, Jeff Smith Ford. Um, they own oh. a, a, a ton of dealerships. Jeff Smith owns a ton of dealerships around Middle Georgia. So if you're looking for a new car, definitely, uh, definitely hit him up. But you'll be seeing me rolling around and uh, – and a camo wrap Jeff Smith F two fifty Dude. dude um, with the six seven also diesel. Up, oh yeah. Oh, you guys yeah. Listen, oh, you yeah. won't be able to miss
1: it. You're my dude. I love it.
2: Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. And, uh, no, I also picked up a title sponsor this year. I'm looking forward to, uh, partnering with impact outdoors and Dylan folk. Um, oh. he's starting up a new company this year. Uh, uh, hunting clothing line kind of kind of focusing more on the bow hunter um okay but it's going to be going to be for all hunters but kind of kind of leaning more towards um connecting better with the bow hunters you know sure Just like tighter sleeves for bow hunting and like maybe more pockets for range finders and all other stuff is making a little bit easier access so looking forward to that also and then uh I partnered up with a, a local Georgia company. I, I like to stay close to home. You know, I've got zoom, which is very close yep, close yep. to home. And then I uh, partnered, partnered up with a, with a uh, Seminole company down in Thomasville, Nichols Lures. So I'm super pumped oh. to be with them. They make, they obviously they make the best, uh, best spoons because everybody loves to throw the big spoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Their spinner baits and jigs are are second to none, so I'm really looking forward to uh, a long partnership with them. Um, So, yeah, this year, this past season was definitely my biggest jump in uh, adding sponsors since the start of my fishing career, so I'm really looking forward to uh, adding them, and you'll be able to see me matching wrap truck and boat. It'll be a, a camo pattern, so... It'll, oh, cool. uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna look pretty cool. We we've been working on the design all day today, and and I can't wait to get it done and uh, post some pictures of it.
1: Oh man, I can't wait to see it. Well, you know, congrats to you, dude. That's a that's a big deal, especially for um, you know, I think a lot of people think when you when you're fishing at a high level that sponsorships just like come out of the woodworks, right? But there's a there's a lot of guys that it takes a while to get that those connections and that backing behind you and uh you know for a guy as young as you are to to start piecing it all together is a that's a pretty cool deal
2: man man yeah you know i've been blessed from the beginning you know um zoom and uh and abu garcia have been with me ever since i started fishing you know they just they kind of Took a gamble on a kid with a dream, and uh, it's turned out to be a, to be a really good deal. Al- along with a lot of a lot of other local companies, who some have come and gone, and some are still with me. And mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm happy for uh, everybody that has supported me in the past and continues to support me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, I I'm just a kid living a dream. You know, I started this dream as a co-angler fishing with Micah Frazier oh, when I yeah. was 19 years old and uh and uh fished with jason johnson as a co-angler and then uh switched over to the pro side so you know now i'm 25 and a couple people more know my name than when i was 19 <laughs> but not many more. so hopefully this year uh this year we're gonna let a few people few more people know who joshua weaver really is
1: oh man i love it i love it i i, I think more people definitely should know uh who Joshua Weaver is. I mean, I know we've known each other for almost well, basically as long as you've been fishing.
2: Um Oh yeah.
1: We've known each other you've and, and got
2: to know my me, my brother, my dad. You oh, know, you've I, met everybody.
1: I love your family. Your brother is a riot. Uh gosh, when I see him <laughs> at Wayne it makes me it makes me smile. Or really whenever I run into him. Uh your dad's as nice Perfect. a guy as there is. Um but I want I want to get into something too on the note of people getting to know you because, um, you know, here in this podcast we talk a lot about fishing. But uh, I especially this time of year I like doing a lot of hunting, and I know you are one of those guys that also likes doing a lot of hunting. So I want to kind of get into some of these. Uh, I know you t- you just got back from a trip uh, somewhere west. You were somewhere cold I did, and yeah. west.
2: <laughs> yeah very, very cold uh so the de- my cousin is in the air force he was from he's from may or from around macon um we're 12 days apart and eight so we literally grew up like brothers okay uh i was always at his house he was always at my house and uh so he moved out recently to montana in the air force um he'd been out there the last hunting season was like man you gotta try to get a tag next year and come out here and we'll put you on a mule deer with all this all this public land and i was like well mule deer's on my bucket list so i'm coming so uh (laughs) so i I drew a tag and uh i don't know if it was a good thing that i went out there or a bad thing uh for my pocketbook because (laughs) it was so addicting uh we got it done um right before a huge snowstorm came in on thanksgiving day um so we got it done and i already told him i'm coming back next year so go ahead and plan plan me to come back next year and (laughs) and next year i'm coming back with elk tag and uh antelope tag so be prepared for a few more days Uh,
1: yeah you're uh, right that isn't good for your pocketbook
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah. but the the good thing about that is you know it's all public land so you don't have to pay an outfitter fee you just have to pay for the tags
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: you can go you can go out there with i think it's sixteen hundred dollars and kill three animals not including travel obviously and logic right right i mean you can't you can't you can't do that anywhere else Um, no no and and that that's a lot of meat too
1: if you tag out on on all those
2: oh yeah i don't know how we're gonna get all the meat back we'll figure that out when that happens.
1: yeah you cross that bridge when you get there
2: yeah but my brother you know he i was sending him pictures and everything uh while we were out there and he was like i'm going with you next year i'm coming out there he was like but you know we drove out there me and my wife and my dogs made the 30 hour drive to montana gosh dang uh, man that's a haul Oh, it was a haul. But, you know, it was some of the most beautiful country, you know, just driving through the Midwest. I love it out there. Me and my wife were talking, we could move out there. It's just so far to travel for fishing. Right, so, right. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it'd make getting to yeah. work a little harder for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a little bit harder. It's like quadruple the work travel time. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Daniel was like, I'm going next year, but I'm flying out there, and you can pick me up from the airport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever works. So, well, but you yeah, know.
2: I, you know, I, I went and I, the cool thing was, you know, I I, uh, I like to video my hunts. Little little, little do people know, I, I've got tons of footage of me videoing hunts. Really? I had so no I just, idea. Yeah, I kind of have kept them to myself um, for a while. I, I got into that about two or three years ago. And uh, so I got, I got a, a good bit of footage um, from that hunt that I'm going to, I'm getting uh, Tanner Loins, the guy who tried to wrap John Hunter this, this whole year, and uh, dude, Tanner does, does some John super good work. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm sending all my my videos that I have got together to him and uh, to get him to edit me up a little video to put on my YouTube channel. So oh, hopefully cool. more of that. Hopefully more of that'll be coming. Uh, well, not hopefully. More of more of YouTube channel stuff will be coming this year from Joshua Weaver Fishing. Nice. Um, so 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 look me up on YouTube. Uh, I'll definitely. I'm, I'm going to start doing uh, pre and post tournament interviews. Um, just talking about what I might be thinking about doing for the lake and what I did at the lake after the tournament. So, okay. Looking forward to doing that. Just kind of building my socials a little bit and uh, getting people, letting people know me a little bit. More on a personal level on how I approach a lake, you know, that I may or may not have been to in the past. So, uh, looking forward to just doing more videos. You know, I feel like this day and age, you know, the YouTube and videos is is way better than just posting a picture. So, I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying to trying to learn that whole side of side of the business this year.
1: Dude, it is uh, it is really interesting how big that has has how big of a deal it's really become in the last couple of years because like man i remember when like gopro videos of guys fishing were kind of starting to come out you know you'd see some here and there and uh you're like yeah i mean okay cool this guy's catching some fish and then like the production value's just been stepping up and stepping up and uh dude it's it's kind of addicting like you can definitely get down a wormhole on youtube of just like you know, outdoor stuff. and uh, But people love it. You look <clears throat> at the view counts on it. Like, that's the day and age we're at, you know? So it's oh, a yeah. Good and idea my, to jump my on. Wife,
2: oh, yeah. And, you know, my wife, she hates and loves YouTube because she'll be watching her shows, and I'll be over there on my computer, you know, watching hunting videos or fishing videos, <laughs> whether it's learning, trying to learn something about a local on a lake or it's uh, or – I've got hooked on – Hooked on the new series um, around here, Seek One Productions. It's these guys that dude. They do some super cool stuff. Yeah. Oh man, their videos are unbelievable, and I've like I'm hooked on them. I've uh, I've watched every one of their videos. I think ten times, especially the ones where they where they kill freaking giants in downtown Atlanta. So that's uh that's kind of the reason that I'm like, well, maybe I need to start. Hosting some of my videos that I think I've got three or four years of videos that I've just been videoing deer you know because I work I worked on uh, on a bunch of land for six years that's all I did was basically was was the land manager okay. and, uh, so during hunting season for those six years that I worked there from the time I was 18 till this past January I was in the woods four or five six days a week especially during the rut it was more like seven days a week (laughs) and uh my family and my wife can attest to how much I deer hunt um and my friends they kind of just go non-existent during deer hunting um (laughs) during deer season so uh yeah I love I'm a deer hunting addict I love everything about it um I've had some good success with deer hunting and it just makes me want more and more and more um I'd say my biggest claim to fame in deer hunting isn't any deer that I've killed but Really? It's one that I, when I came to work at this place, we started feeding protein feed and uh, started planting a lot more like peanuts, soybeans, and corn. And we actually grew a 174 inch eight pointer Dang and while i was at the coast championship at kentucky lake when was that two or three years two, ago
1: uh, two years ago i think
2: my old boss shot him <laughs> so i have to say that's when it comes to hunting that's my biggest like pride and joy right there i spent two years chasing that deer <laughs> and uh he ended up killing him while I was gone, but I was I was ecstatic that we just got him got him killed. He he is a freak of nature. Especially for I mean middle Georgia. You know, you hear yeah, about that yeah, in midwest Texas more often. Um around here, you know, a one thirty five plus, you know, you're 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 doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, that's a big boy for down uh, there.
2: Yeah, so we we've got some big deer, you know, I I've killed a I think I've killed I'm sitting here in my office looking at all my deer now. I've killed about eight or nine deer over 130 to 135, and I've got two over 150, all in Georgia. so
1: dang!
2: I've, uh, I've put a stacking on some deer in, the, in my <laughs> lifetime. I, my wife says whenever we move into a different house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to build a room just for my deer. And it's going to have to be where it can be extended for over a, my lifetime. Of that right, animal. right. You're
1: going to going to need space to build upon. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, especially when she saw how big an elk mount is. She's like, if you kill one of those, where is it going? <laughs> well, we're going to have to build a room around it. Yeah, we're, yeah we'll,
1: we'll get it here and then we'll worry about where it could go.
0: <laughs> That's, right. That's she'll, right. She'll
1: have to be parking outside now and the garage will be taken over by an elk mount. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, The elk comes before the car, honey.
1: Yes, yep. Dude, I got your back. If she has any uh, quarrels with you about that, tell her to just give me a shout. I'll tell her what's up.
2: That's right, that's right.
1: Uh, But you also, now you have, um, uh, you said you have a couple dogs, right?
2: I do. I have two dogs. Um, One that has spent a lot of time at school, and he's a Boykin. He's one, he's my I knew it buddy. was a little
1: spaniel of some sort. But they're
2: are they both boykins? No, I've got a boykin and then I've got a springer. And the okay. springer is just she's a she's the sweetest little dog you'll ever see. All she wants to do is be your best friend and cuddle and give you kisses. <laughs> and uh my my boykin, he uh he's my little buddy. He's been with me for two years now and he spent we spent since he unless he was at school we spent just about every minute together when I was working on the farm He would be riding in the truck or riding in the tractor or <laughs> hunting or we spent every waking minute. He sleeps with me he eats with me we do everything together um, so he's he's my little buddy but he he's he's my hunting buddy we' we're, we're uh, I told him told him today I've been back here. I'm going quail hunting tomorrow, and uh, he he doesn't get to go, and he knows that I'm going hunting, so he's going to be upset <laughs> in the morning when I walk out without without him. But uh, duck season opens up back here Thursday, so he knows he's about to get some work this ah, okay. weekend. I've been I've been uh, he's been going out with me. Uh, we we've been working working him in the in the pond and stuff. I like to go out and just get him some swimming in before duck season gets here. And uh, he 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 knows my waiters are hanging up on the back porch, and my and all my d- decoys are back there. So he knows <laughs> something's up. So he's uh he's ready to get after it. You know he's got he is a very small boy, and I think he only weighs like twenty eight pounds. But Damn. he's got more drive and want to than any dog I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's uh, it's pretty unreal, you know. He, he, you know, you send him on a goose, and a goose is bigger than him, and he will turn around and just drag that thing back. Do whatever he's got to do to get it back to you. But he's getting it back to you. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's quite the sight to see a dog as big as a goose bringing the goose back to you.
1: Well, you know that's uh, it's funny because I have a, uh, I have a, I guess she's five now. And she's like kind of whining at me. And I think she's got to... I don't know if she got to go outside to do what? But a black lab. But she's a she's a British, so she's small. Uh, she's probably 45 yeah. pounds maybe. So she's
2: uh-huh. itty-bitty
1: uh-huh. by a lab standard. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't take her... Uh, when she was young, um, I trained her myself. Just like you said, like from the day I brought her home, like she was my shadow. we I go somewhere, she's with me. Um, and... But yeah, she she got bopped a couple times by uh, a couple of geese that were wounded and uh oh, when she yeah. was real young and she's not as big a fan about getting them. I don't really bring her now on when we field hunt, but when we water hunt, she'll chase a goose down that's swimming away, grabbed by the butt, and the thing'll be thrashing and splashing. All you see is like these two little beady eyes swimming back at you, you know, like there's hardly any dog sticking out of the water, but the goose is yeah, yeah. playing around, she's got a hold of that thing, dragging it back and my buddies are always like, dang. I'm like, I know, man. Just a little sassy, spunky thing. But it's amazing what yeah. what dogs like that can do, man. Especially, you know, one like your Boykin that's got so much fire in it that, I mean, a goose ain't even stuck. A goose could probably pick that thing up and fly away with them, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I do monitor the duck, like the, or not ducks. I send them on any duck. But the geese that I send them on, you know, it, if it does look like it's, very alive still, so you just wing shot or something i normally don't send it just right because i am worried about like him poking his eye out oh, or yeah. something um because the mad goose would tear up a 27 pound oh.
1: <laughs> dude 100 my my old uh my old yellow that i had uh, a couple years ago we were hunting a frozen pond it was probably end of december early january and uh we shot this goose that landed i was like a probably a 10 acre pond. It landed like far side of the pond. So I sent him on a blind. Drake goes fishing him out of the weeds and he's bringing him back across the pond and the goose is very alive, but it was like Drake had him by the belly. So the goose was like upside down and the goose's head was like wrapped up kind of around the top of Drake's uh, forehead basically. But the whole way the goose was like grabbing him by the eyelid and pecking at him on his nose. But you could see him like grabbing skin And pulling you know or like grabbing fur biting him on the ear and finally drake like uh i mean he wasn't really one to let go of a bird until you you told him to give it but drake was probably 60 yards from us and this goose been doing it for like 100 yards and he spits the goose out grabs it kind of by the neck and just starts shaking the tar out of it Mm -hmm. and the goose just kind of went limp (laughs) and he picked it back up and came trotting back over to me like well no more of that. And I was like, dang, yeah. all right. Remind me I not to make done. you mad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Chalk's the same way. Chalk will come back with a dove or something. It'll be alive and he'll, like, set it down. and It'll still be, like, bobbing around. He's, like, looking at it like, I dare you to try to run. <laughs> right.
1: I want you to get away. I want you to try
0: to
2: get yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But he, he, he was upset this season, uh Opening, opening weekend of Dove season. He was like four weeks post-op. He had he tore his patella tendon this Ooh. past summer, and uh, so he had to go to the University of Georgia and have surgery. So that was a uh, that was an expensive trip. Yeah, I, I sure. bet it was. <laughs> I bet yeah, it so was. I was like, I was like, this is a. This is your birthday, Christmas, everything present for the next like ten years.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're good for a little bit. So, I'll still take you hunting, you can have some reward that way, but uh yeah, yeah. I ain't buying you anything for a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. But luckily he's made a full recovery. He doesn't good. hold his leg any. uh I was we were kinda worried and they were they actually had told us, you know, he still might hold that leg sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because this is a back right leg and uh Luckily, he's made a full recovery. You like if you, he was running around for an hour, you would never even be able to tell he had anything done. So, oh, nice! And uh so he he got to go on about six or seven dove hunts with me this year, and did great on all of them. So he he was happy, and now he's ready. Now he's ready for <laughs> duck season.
1: Oh man, yeah. that I'm jealous. Our duck season—it actually today is the last day of it uh, here, and uh, we can goose hunt still for. Till middle of January, so I'll be, I'll be getting after it. But uh, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad now.
2: Y'all are probably about frozen up up there, aren't
1: you? uh it, pretty close, pretty close. It's, uh, I mean, it, it was actually snowing a little when we first started talking. But uh, it's supposed to be back in like the 40s by the end of the week. So it, uh, we still got some time. We still got a lot of, lot of open
2: water yet. Right, right. Yeah, I know when I went out to Montana, you know, you, we passed a lot of good duck holes going out there. Oh, I bet. Uh, hey, did you see a lot of waterfowl
1: when you were out in Montana or driving through Montana?
2: I didn't see a bunch in Montana, but when we were coming back to Missouri, the Missouri area, we we followed the Missouri River. And oh, yeah. They were loaded up, and there was a ton of hunters all down through there when we were coming back. Uh, oh, I bet. We came back like mid-morning and you saw all kinds of trucks and blinds set up and fields and i was like i would love to just go out there and hop in that blind with them real quick <laughs> uh
1: man you would have i bet you asked enough people someone would have been like come on man jump on in
2: yeah i wanted to just pull off on the interstate and holler at them, hey can i come over there
1: <laughs> well what we'll have to do next year when you come back um from your montana trip you'll have to holler at me and we can meet up uh, maybe around Missouri or Southern Iowa, and maybe duck hunt one morning, and uh, then I can let you get back on your way.
2: That sounds like a plan. Break up the trip a little bit. Yeah. I think Missouri was like the midway point. Omaha. Oh, perfect. Or Omaha, Nebraska, like Missouri area, right in there.
1: Oh yeah, dude. There's a. There's a. We could. We could make something happen. We'll have to keep in touch about that. Yeah, for sure uh well i think as as much fun as i've had talking to you man i'm gonna let you get rolling um i again really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us uh, before i let you go for the folks listening where can they follow you um throughout the 2020 season and all the rest of your fun hunting and fishing adventures you go on
2: uh my instagram is joshua weaver fishing and then uh, on Facebook, Joshua Weaver Fishing. And then on YouTube, Joshua Weaver Fishing. So it's pretty easy to find me. I love it. Anywhere you want to look, Joshua Weaver Fishing. I'm not <laughs> on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And uh, I'm, I'm looking to build my YouTube a lot this year. I'm going to be posting a lot of content on there. So uh, if you want to look at some interesting posts, I'm sure we'll have some uh, <laughs> straight-up, non, non-edited non just hanging around the guys before and after tournament. So I'm sure it'll be some cool, cool stuff. It'll be, uh, it'll be real life, real talk, uh, how, how it happens live. Um, Excellent. So looking forward to, to that this year for sure.
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to follow along and I hope, uh, I hope everyone else is, uh, that's listening to this. Um, like I said, man, I've known you for, for a while, uh, you're a super cool dude, and um, I'm stoked to see what the future holds for you. It sounds like it's uh, things are going pretty well, and I hope they just keep climbing from here. So uh, with that, I'm going to let you roll. Again, thank you very much, and uh, until next time, man, we'll, uh, we'll see you in just right. a month or so here.
2: Yes, sir. We'll see you in Texas. I appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks for the call.
0: So, Kyle, the first thing we need to mention is that BFL registration is now open. So if you want to fish the Phoenix Bass Fishing League and you want to, like, really make sure you get in, this is the week to sign up. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, obviously... Oh, yeah, there it is. We got a doorbell. We got a Suze. Suze is fired up about BFLs. Has she entered Uh, any yet? I don't know. It sounds like... What's today? Uh, Is she thinking about the Great Lakes
1: Division. I was gonna say she's maybe Illini. Uh, Ooh. That'd probably
0: be that'd probably be about it for. Her. All right. Well, I think that would be wonderful. Um. But anyhow, so we've got. Let's see. All right, Suze. That was great. I love you. <laughs> um. So, depending on what time you're listening to this, either. Most of the uh, divisions are open for sign up or maybe they're all up. Um, yeah, yeah. like the last Friday, December 13th is when like the last group of divisions goes up. there's all the stuff on the website like I don't know if you at this point if you can't figure out how, how to sign up for a BFL, you haven't tried very hard.
1: Yeah um, you definitely <laughs> you definitely didn't go to the place you should be looking, which is flwfishing.com
0: yeah and even honestly if you go there or you go there and you click on the BFL section like all that info is gonna be pretty dang yeah, near at the top of the page yeah um but I will say the best way to sign up is always to call us um just cause if you have any other questions not to call with you and I personally uh but to call customer <laughs> right. service yep cause if you have any other questions they can always answer along that way you know what I mean and you can mm-hmm. do it all in one fell swoop um, exactly but anyway, now's the time to sign up for BFLs and, uh, I guess, uh, hop to it. Get it. Um, what is our next little piece of news? Our next piece of news is high school fishing. Do you want to elaborate on that, Kyle?
1: Yep. Uh, registration is open for the 2020 season. Uh, just kind of like with the um, the Phoenix Bass Fishing League, you can uh, go either – to the homepage, find it. By the time you're listening to it, you could also probably click on the high school page, find it. Um, I guess the biggest chunk, though, of this whole deal, the national championship and world finals for the uh, FLW TBF national championship, which is a good segue for probably what we're going to talk about next, but that is in, uh, it's on the Mississippi River in June. Uh, Which this year.
0: that's a pretty big news compared to where they've always been in the past.
1: Yeah, like ugh, in the on the Tennessee River and hot and ugh. So the the Mississippi River, like this should be a uh, this should be a good one. Should be a lot of good fish catching. Uh, it's June 23rd to the 27th, so like pretty good time of year. But the winning team, so two anglers, are both going to get a go. To the 2020 FLW Series Championship, and they get to compete as co anglers. So, not only do they get to win the national championship for the high school deal, uh, but they get to move on to the FLW Series. They got a chance at winning a boat, basically, which I think is normally what it is, or it's like thirty thousand um, dollars, and they'll uh, get five thousand uh, dollars scholarship.
0: Yeah, it definitely high school fishing remains a thing that I wish existed Dude, when right? I was younger. I mean, you know, I guess kids it existed. These got it so good, it they do. It did exist. It just did not really exist in the current form, and it wasn't something that was really on very many people's radar. Like, yeah, definitely. Shane LeHue fished in high school. You know, he fished all the junior world championship stuff. You know, won one of them on Lake Hamilton one time. And so, like, there are definitely folks. You did fish that junior stuff and folks our age who fished it but it was it seemed like you really had to know about it or you had to be really deeply embedded in bass fishing whereas mm-hmm. now it just seems like it's so much easier to be like hey this is a thing you can actually do Yeah. and pick yeah. up on more quickly Uh, because man it would have been cool to fish in high school right? gosh that would have been super sweet yeah I would have been all in on that But, anyhow, we got that. Our next piece of news... Oh, side note. So, they have uh, the schedule out. Obviously, the tournaments sort of follow college fishing. So, you can basically... I mean, you can see what the schedule is. It's basically all the same as college fishing stuff. Um, Or very similar, anyhow. I think there might be like one or two times where it's not dead on. But most of the time it is. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, I guess the next piece of news is the TBF stuff, which obviously when the company got bought and it turned into, you know, not FLW anymore, it was, there's still, there's all sorts of, there's there's loose ends that have been slowly tying themselves up, I would say, Um, and one of them is that the TBF and FLW are back continuing to do, continuing to be partners in fishing. Uh, Yep. Which means, like, you know, you talked about the, uh, the World Finals and the high school fishing and stuff like that. That's going to, you know, keep being wrapped in. The uh, TBF Living the Dream package is going to continue to be a thing. And, uh, I mean, there could be more stuff down the, down the pipe. There also might not be. It might just be sort of business as usual. But now it's formal that it's business as usual. Yes. Um, which is cool. Which TBF is do, you know pretty rad.
1: Well, and it's the the fact that the living the dream package uh, keeps rolling on is super cool. Uh, side note, you and I have seen a lot of stuff on social media lately about people uh, up in arms that Preston Craig doesn't get to live the dream this year. Uh, if you're one of those people and you're listening to this podcast, I'm just gonna say it: you're an idiot. Should read some stuff or
0: you heard it here first. Uh well, Preston Craig. I don't think anyone gets to live the dream. Yeah, well I was gonna say I feel like at this point in time, most folks have figured out that he does get to live the dream. But there was definitely a period in time where it seemed like maybe he wasn't gonna, you know. Right. And but I still uh, feel like even
1: like this morning when I was scrolling around through I felt like I saw some new comments uh that were within like a day or two. On various things that people were up in
0: arms about, it just chill. Okay, you can keep living the dream.
1: It's going to keep being a thing.
0: Well, Kyle, I kind of want to applaud your ability to get to uh, reach pieces of parts of the internet that I have yet to reach. Hey, um,
1: it's rare that I get to do that, but uh, you know, here we are.
0: Excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, the and the living the dream package is like legitimately really cool. And if you look at the you know recent history, man. If you win that thing and have a year on tour, like, there's a pretty good odds that you might turn out to be really exceptional. Um, yes. You know, when you look at some of the folks, you know, your Joseph Webster's, your Mark Daniels Jr.'s, who have taken advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely.
0: Um, Kyle, Jimmy Houston has a prediction, or he doesn't have a prediction. Jimmy Houston has an announcement to make. He does. It's gonna be Wednesday night.
1: Yes. I don't this know what this before... announcement
0: is. Maybe you're listening to this after the announcement. And everybody's like, well, these are about to be some dumb guesses. But <laughs> what do you think the announcement is? What's your what's your prediction?
1: I, I feel like I feel like Jimmy is going to uh, maybe step away from professional fishing but keep doing his I know he's like been trying to do a lot of things on the YouTube's He's obviously been a TV star forever. Um, he sells a lot of pecans, so I think he's gonna step away from tournament fishing uh, at a high level and go on to just managing video things and such, and pecans naturally.
0: Okay. Well, you're. That's what
1: I'm feeling like.
0: Here's the thing: your prediction is like actually serious. Um, Or, now, again, it could be
1: that he's going to invite a bunch of people down to his ranch and we get to go fishing on his ponds. And uh, you maybe also get some free pecans. I don't know. That'd be cool, too.
0: I definitely am intrigued by the, you know, by the pecan situation. (laughs) Um Oh man, this comment! Do you wear sunglasses in the house? You bet he does. <laughs> You're darn tooting. <laughs> he he wears those things anytime there may be a camera within a hundred miles. Jimmy's got his shades on. Oh yeah, he's looking fly. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, I think that Jimmy is going to cut his hair, dye his hair. Oh gosh, wouldn't that be something? there's no way that's his brand there's no way he would have to schedule he would have to do that announcement on April 1st you can't (laughs) do that any other day um I think Jimmy is going to announce that he's going to whatever he's fishing I think he's going to attempt to only weigh in smallmouth all next year in honor of you and I dude I first of all the fact that Jimmy would do that for us—for us, for us uh, right? I mean, that'd be big. Uh, that would
1: mean the world to me. Uh, and dude, that would be actually really impressive if he did it on some of the lakes.
0: Yeah, like if he's got a derby on Pickwick next year, he's weighing in smallmouth. If he's got a derby on Okeechobee. He's just—he's going to either weigh in smallmouth or he's going to blank. <laughs> just zero. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just—it is what it is. Every time he catches a largemouth, a spot, he can weigh in meanmouths. We'll—we'll uh, we'll allow that. Yep, yep, I'll but, give him that. Largemouth spots, he just pitches them right back over. Doesn't even, doesn't even need them. <laughs> uh. um, I think that's what it is. I think he's going to go okay. all in on Brown. Okay. Man, I hope that's true. Uh, but gosh, I tell you what. He has now announced this announcement, like, at least three times. Which is pretty high-level announcing skills. Uh, so, maybe this announcement won't be the announcement. Maybe it'll be an announcement about a, a tertiary or secondary cool. announcement. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An announcement All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. I want to, to announce, make an announcement. another announcement yeah. coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, what it could be is, like, one of those uh, real sneaky announcements where, like, I think one of the Lane Brothers announced that they, they were changing Rain Gear sponsors... And I was like, you cannot in this climate, you cannot do that. No. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> you cannot. Just don't. Don't mess with us like this. <laughs> um anyhow. Kyle, shall we talk about fishing? Or uh, something? Yes. Yes. Because yes, we're out yes, of yes. news now. Yep. <laughs> Sorry folks, if you're waiting to stick around for some hot, you know, hot gossip, we're we're done now. <laughs> that's that's about all we got. It.
1: But yeah, um, we should uh well, because I know you and Kurt went fishing, uh, and if I'm just basing what I saw
0: on your Instagram story, uh, there were fish caught. Uh, there were a a large number of fish caught. Um, Kurt thinks we had a 95 fish day. I think it was probably more like, I don't know, 40 plus or whatever. I mean, we caught a lot of fish. A lot of little ones, but like a lot of fish. Um, really uh, getting in the MLF swing of things. Sure, sure. Um, which I'm pretty sure they allow umbrella rigs, right? Um maybe you know, not. Actually, I have no idea. <laughs> they they don't. They should though. <laughs> we should bring umbrella rigs back. Uh but yeah, we went up to Lake of Egypt. It's like a it's a hot lake, so it's I've the water there lake. was like 50, 52 uh maybe high forties in some places. You know, it's not as it's in Illinois, but it's not as cold as the water's not as cold as it is on Kentucky Lake or as cold as it is on some other places. Um, okay. And uh, the first place I went to in the morning, I caught, I think, our biggest fish of the day, you know, like a four-pounder or whatever on an umbrella rig. And, and like, the next place we stopped, we caught, like, two more. And then the place we stopped after that, we caught it double, and we, we just caught fish all day long. It was beautiful. Um, so was that your have you fished hot lakes before like that uh i've fished lake of egypt like i think this is probably the fourth or fifth time now okay um and then i've fished uh let's see i've fished norman a fair amount in the winter time um and it's kind of a hot lake, kind of not. You know what I mean? It's got yeah, the hot yeah. holes. It's got some segments of the lake that are warmer than others, but it's also a big enough lake that, and the part of the country it's located in, you know, like, the water hardly gets below 40 there anyhow. You know, like, you can mm-hmm. probably find 45-degree water about wherever you want in North Carolina that time, almost no yeah, matter what. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I've fished any other... I well, fished uh I fished a couple places in Minnesota that were hot. But that's it. I think.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I used to like the there was the hot pond up on Pacagama. Um and there's oh, that's about the only one I know of in Minnesota. But Yeah, well there's know, the river too. Um y- y- yeah, 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 Like pool two
0: um, Yeah, like way up the Miss it it is a Mississippi, I think, right? Yeah. Right oh, like Monticello there. Monticello whatever you call it Oh yeah and then even up farther yeah yeah that's
1: where there's it's just like the Mississippi but yeah yeah that stretch stays open um, and then but I I've always I felt like I've always known Illinois and then like Kansas Nebraska as being states that have a lot of these hot pond lakes or hot yeah. lakes you can go to because of the uh, power plants that they're supplying water for to cool.
0: But yep. and like uh, but I've, I've never a got lot a chance of, to fish them first of all there's almost certainly some not that far away from you in iowa i feel like probably um, not
1: i should really do some research
0: yeah uh i guess just look for a power plant maybe i don't i don't really know how it works <laughs> um but i would say generally they're a pretty good opportunity especially in the winter um and i mean you can fish like you can fish like egypt in the summertime it's a pretty good lake um I think it's getting a lot more pressure in recent years than it has, you know, let's say maybe five or ten years ago when it made sense to drive to Kentucky Lake. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, we love you, Kentucky Lake. Please come back. <laughs> uh, actually, we might talk about Kentucky Lake in just a second. Um, but That's cool. Like, it's cool. It's a, it's a neat lake because it's got docks that you're not allowed to cast within ten feet of. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's like a private, it's semi-private, basically. I think it's like, I don't know, it's not, I don't think it's owned by the state. Maybe it is, but it's got some weird rules. Like, you can't go over, like, 40 miles an hour in it, but you can put as big a boat as you want on it, I think, Um, Hmm. and then you can't cast around the docks. Uh, Interesting. Wink. (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what if you're bad at casting?
0: Well, yeah, or, like, what if it's December? and you (laughs) maybe want to parallel a dock a little bit with an alabama rig you know
1: i i i I feel you
0: i will say this if we hypothetically made any super sweet casts next to docks we actually caught almost all of our fish not really around docks at all they're mostly on (laughs) points (laughs) oh okay um not even like wooden points just regular points um (laughs) But it was fun. It was really nice to be able to, like, mark fish and then turn around and catch them. Like, there were, you know, there were there were several places where, you know, I'd mark some fish on the side scan or whatever and be like, yeah, we'll, we'll cast over there. And all of a sudden we'd start catching fish. So, um, like,
1: how deep were a lot of these? Or, I mean, like, is the lake um, deep in general? I feel like it wouldn't necessarily be deep. Or it wouldn't have to be.
0: Mm, yeah, I don't know if it would have to be. We probably caught most of our fish in, let's say, 4 to 8 maybe. Um, okay, something so like that. pretty, pretty shallow. Maybe, maybe 4 to 10. A lot of times it's a kind of a steeper, you know, it's a reservoir, so it's a little bit of a steepery kind of lake, kind of like Kincaid is or Cedar, which you haven't been on, but other people might be like, oh, okay, I know that. So, like, a lot of times we would probably have the boat in, let's say, 10 to 15. A couple places we'd have the boat in 20. Um, But, I mean, it's dead simple stuff, man. You're, like, definitely there's an opportunity for you to do some different things if you figured something else out. But also, we had a really fun day of fishing, just, like, literally casting umbrella rigs. at the most obvious stuff. Okay. Um, Also, I don't think we caught a bass that wasn't on an umbrella rig. And I tried a underspin and I tried uh, a Largo shad and I tried a jerk bait like a, a moderate amount. What I would do is I'd throw it for a little bit and then Kurt would catch one on a rig and I'd be like, wow, this was dumb. I'd pick up the, (laughs) and I'd pick up a rig again. And then, or or if Kurt tried something different, then I would catch one on a rig and be like, well, this is dumb. And he'd, he'd pick that up again. You know, it was just kind of one of those deals where like, what are you doing? Not throwing the rig. Um, which, you I mean you know me? I'm very, I'm very happy to just sling the rig all day long if need be. Yeah,
1: and I, I appreciate. It. I, I've been there. The, like, man, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just see if I can catch them doing this, and then, yeah, buddy, you're fishing with, keeps catching them. And you're like, yeah, no, you're right. I should, I should have never put that rod down. Should have never yeah. put the rig down.
0: No doubt about it. But it was fun. It's, it's definitely the best day I've had on Egypt where i've been there a few times and i've had like some bad days i've had some pretty good days i would say um i almost want to not go there again at the same time i'm trying to get kurt to go up there on friday with me (laughs) for a half day because i'm like let's go fishing come on you know we only got so much more of this before the season starts you know let's go yeah
1: you got to take advantage of it
0: yeah and kurt's like got He's all into Umbrella Rigs again now So he's bought a bunch of new stuff He's talking about he wants to make his own stuff You know, Kurt Kurt's really good at buying tackle like Even better than I am at it uh, Which, you know, I'm pretty good at buying tackle At the same time I'm, I am pretty good Also at going into a tackle store and not buying anything Because I'm like, well, I'm going to wait Or I don't really need it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you do have actually like A, a pretty good amount of self-control Which is really impressive yeah, at the same time, I'm also... I mean, you've seen my Kytec bin in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, your rubber uh, Rubbermaid. Yes, it's <laughs> glorious. Um, but also a problem. <laughs> hey, but there's nothing wrong with that. Speaking of which, i got to buy some more Kytecs. Um, I'm running low on a variety of 3.3-inch sizes, and also I want to get some more of the 6.8s to uh, throw next summer on Champlain. Ooh, okay. Also, we should talk about the Largo Shad a little bit, because I have finally thrown it now, and I've purchased them, had them in my hands. Sure. I think they need a middle size.
1: Oh, yeah, because cause right now it's the it's the 3-inch and the 4-inch.
0: Yeah, I think they need a 3.5, because that 3-inch, yeah. I think, is it almost feels a little smaller to me than the 3. I mean, obviously, it feels a little smaller. It's .3 inches smaller than the 3.3. <laughs> You know what I mean? It just yeah, it, it feels not like exactly what I want, and to me, I can't imagine. I mean, putting four putting five of the four inch ones on a rig feels like a lot. Well, and the, the
1: four inch, even like because they're they're like shad bodied swim baits or, or
0: thicker bodied swim baits, uh, yeah, they're a little deeper than yeah,
1: they have more bulk, like even though it's four inches, it's a bulkier swim bait yeah
0: it's definitely a it's more of like it feels more like throwing a five inch like either throwing a 4.8 kitek or throwing like a five inch um, zoom swimmer or something like that or yeah looking just looking at them in the package holding my hand I, I don't get the same here's a four inch Tech kind of mm-hmm. morsel vibe
1: yeah and um, then the three inch uh, i kind of get what you're saying it's it's like throwing a it's like throwing a two eight um, yeah,
0: but I mean, it's definitely look at it, bigger go, wow, than a 2 It definitely it is, obviously. It uh, it feels.
1: But that's the that's the stark difference that I kind of get looking at it. It's like a. Yeah. It's You're like, okay, whatever. It's a three-inch versus a four-inch. It it appears different when you have it in your hand. Now, they both catch fish, but you're right. They're especially, I've, I would feel like, in this time of year. Uh, like, I noticed it in the fall throwing it for swim baits, or throwing it for smallmouths. Uh, Like you throw that four inch and sometimes they're not getting it that good or you feel bumping it. And then you go to the three and you'll definitely catch fish. But at the same time, I feel like it's maybe like also a little too sneaky subtle, which I don't know if that's really a bad thing. But, you know, I got to downsize my head like a lot. Um, Although that's where those uh, um, swim bait heads well you, you, you that uh with, are gonna come yeah to those
0: oh, what do they call i forget the name of the scottsboro head um i i should like just go back through our texts or, or something like that to figure it out because uh, the recon is their non-finesse head
1: yeah um, is it the it's not the
0: hellfire is it so no it is that's it
1: is, is that it yeah I, okay. I
0: think that's exactly it yeah uh and yes, I is. used, that's what I put the three inch on. And actually the three inch goes on that really well.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah.
0: it was, it was a very nice, you know, when I threw the three inch a little this weekend, it was a really nice size uh, for that. But, you know, it's still, I don't know, trying to figure out exactly what swim bait head to put on every swim bait at any point in time is just never ending. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I joked earlier this year, I want an advent calendar and every single day, it has a new swim bait head for me to try, <laughs> because I've my swim bait head box is. I probably have more weight in that box than any other single box, except maybe my actual weight box, just because. And oh, that's yeah. only, and that's only because it has a bunch of like, one and a half ounce punch weights that I use once a decade. Um, right. <laughs> the, you know, that swim bait head box, like, it's just got a pile of stuff.
1: Yeah, and, um, and I feel like. On, on the note of trying swimbait heads, like there there really isn't any other, um, like piece of would you I guess it'd be terminal tackle, right? Like that's what you would classify a swimbait head under. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't look at jigs, even though there's tons of jigs on the market, and be like, ooh, I should try this jig. I kind of just you know you get like your football jigs you want to try. You got your flipping jigs, maybe some like arky style jigs for skipping and fishing kind of wherever but I don't venture out too much but a swimbait head, like if I'm scrolling around on Tackle Warehouse almost every time I stop on a swimbait head I'm like, ooh, I bet I could throw this swimbait on this head in this situation and it would be really good you know, even though I already have an abundance of swimbait heads it just seems like I'm constantly finding something that I'm like maybe I'll just get a pack
0: of these and see what happens no, that's a good point um, and that's one thing I struggle with too because I don't I like to try a pack but I also feel a little helpless when I just have like one or two of a certain <laughs> swimbait head yes, yes, because then I I'm like the well I way. can't put them on an A-Rig and <laughs> if I lose it then it's this you know it just seems mm-hmm. like it, it's like you want to if you're going to have swimbait heads I want to have like ten of them um, yep. and I don't buy ten of them I never do I should well maybe I should there's a good argument to be made that I shouldn't that I have plenty of swimbait heads. Uh, right, right. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a real never ending thing, um, which obviously I enjoy. Hey, which
1: uh, speaking of swimbait heads, and you know we talked about this earlier, but that uh, Okashira screw head, the Mega Bass one with the prop. Oh yeah. Uh, we have you and I both want to buy them yet have not bought them.
0: Yes. Uh, Kurt but, is buying some. Well, he has some in his Tackle Warehouse cart, which I assume will translate to a buy.
1: Yeah, I would I would imagine so. Uh, uh, but, like, that
0: thing looks super cool. Yeah. I am definitely 100% buying some when I next, you know, in preparation for me next being in or around fish that might eat that, whether it's a Champlain situation or, like, Smith Lake, like, at some mm-hmm. point, in, you know, when I next, I'm like, I'm going to be throwing a swim bait in pretty clear water. I'm buying those things, and I'm trying them.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Or maybe I'll be like, hey, Matt Steffen, what if you send me some of these Dirty Jigs ones that they don't actually make? Uh, are there any of those kicking around? Because uh-huh. uh-huh. for a while, they were going to make that Matt Steffen head, uh, and that was going to be, like, the feature of it. Yes. Um, but they don't, obviously. Because uh, basically they found out they were too expensive to make, mm. uh, and too much of a pain. But Mega Bass was like, "We don't care." I mean, look, let's be real. Mega Bass has not found a bait too expensive to make, <laughs> and we love no, them. For that's it. true. That's true.
1: Yeah, and we'll keep buying stuff too.
0: But yeah, they're not gonna be like, "Oh man, I don't know about this." You know, they just <laughs> they let it rip.
1: Oh, it makes it only hundred and twenty dollars for a three pack of swim bait heads. Perfect. We'll do it.
0: Yeah. Let's see, I want to us up. <laughs> there's a uh so there's a greenfish tackle shin spin. Have you tried throwing that one? Ever?
1: No. I don't have any um bladed swimbait head. I guess would
0: probably be the way to describe those, right? I suppose so. I would say maybe more of a propped swimbait head. Prop, prop yeah, I that's think probably I blade really gives me an underspin Underspin, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Prop, that's a good... Yeah, I have not. All right. There's... It looks like, at least on Tackle Warehouse, there's three. There's the shin spin, which I'm going to check on in a second, but I kind of think might come in sizes that are sort of too big, so to speak. Yeah, it goes up to an ounce. Quarter, three-eighths, half, three-quarter, and an ounce. Um... It's not saying what size hook they have. I got one of the shinspins that have the, um, the, they, he made some shin spin kami is what it was called, uh, where it basically had a, uh, a skirt, Oh. Um, well, like, it was like a hair jig with a prop on it, mm-hmm. and I've caught fish on that, uh, and then lost it on a stump on Kentucky Lake, mm-hmm. um, but... It's a much bigger bait than like you don't put a three-inch swim bait on that. It's too. It, w- it would have been too big, I think. Oh, um, okay. So, I don't know if that's the right scenario exactly. This other thing that I'm looking at is the. Uh, it's the Vike, tungsten propeller ball jig head. Ah um, uh, yes, and these are three ninety nine. For a three pack, it looks like, um, but they only make them up to three sixteenths of an ounce, which is pr- pretty light. Um, it also doesn't say. Light. It also doesn't say what the uh, what the w- hook size is. Oh, it's a number two. Uh, you can get a three ounce with a number one hook, or with a one out hook which both of those would probably work just fine for, like, a 2.8. It's got a different design than the Okashira, though, because the Okashira, it's kind of like... It can't... That prop can't move. You know, it's kind of... Like, it can move, but it can't move. The... uh, Which maybe doesn't make any sense. Um, That Vike one, it looks like it can slide up and down. So, anyway, if people... Have a bunch of information on this and want to tell us about it. I'm all ears. Oh, hook us but up. Yeah, yeah. Generally, yeah. it looks like, first of all, it looks to me as though the Okashira should come in some. He- it looks like both of these should come in some heavier sizes, uh, like a quarter ounce or a three sixteenths. Now, or maybe they don't hmm. do well in heavier
1: sizes. Maybe it doesn't perform as well.
0: Well, maybe.
1: Like, uh-huh. maybe that's the key to it, is that it's super stealthy and finessey and...
0: Here's the thing, we don't know. We don't. are guessing. Um, both of these things, if you ask me, look like they should have better bait keepers. <laughs> uh, I'm getting a real does not... I'm, I'm getting a real loves super glue vibe from <laughs> yeah, both yeah. of these things. Uh, and I definitely want to try them both. Yeah. Um, it kind of looks like the Vike one. I don't know. I mean, this we have to try this. It looks like maybe the Vike one would get a little bit better. Uh, it might not. The prop might not spin as well or something. because it's a smaller prop in relation to the size of the bait. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, it's kind of like there's a more there's more gap between the prop on the Vike than there is on the Mega Bass. It looks like. Uh, from a yes. hook standpoint. Yeah. Um, also, I'm about to read you a Tackle Warehouse review because this thing is priceless. Oh, baby. Uh, this is on the, uh, Vike one and this is from Spinny at Tungsten Junction. Um, <laughs> I think this guy must have, uh, or woman or whoever, the, I think this person put this review here specifically for you and I to find. I hope so. Um, this was in 2017, so they were anticipating. In these parts, we like us some of these things. Tell you what. They work really well in finesse-type fish. Ned rig with a spinner. Kind of like a cross between Ned and those spy-baity things, too. I hear banjos. Seriously, <laughs> this is a great product. I hope the other company would come out with some more sizes. They didn't. Vike did, and they can be fished in small sizes for extra slow or larger and faster. They work. Now, dang it, get you some, Vern. <laughs> so, Vern, hop to it. Yeah, Vern, come on, man. Kyle I hear
1: banjos, the guy
0: says. Yeah, Kyle. Next time I go on tacklewarehouse.com, you better believe I'm ordering some of these things. Some of both of them. I'm making it happen. <laughs> we're gonna get a. We're gonna report back next time I get around some swimbait fish. I like it. Um. Anyhow. What else do we have to talk about about fishing? Because um, I feel like we had a few different crankbaits topics lined up. Yeah, crankbaits. Did you so, want to talk crankbaits? I'm d- I'm always down to try and talk crankbaits. Uh, I'm at the time of the year where I sort of think about where I think a little bit more about what I might want to get in general, as opposed to what I need specifically for like a tournament or a lake that's coming up. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I have decided in my head is that I need some more DT6s mm-hmm. and that, in general, I need more crankbaits. Because I am not someone who goes crankbait heavy at all. Like, yeah,
1: I, I definitely would agree with you there. Like I'm the, I'm the same
0: way. I mean, I have basically just slowly been running out of, you know, 6XDs, uh, and I have some left, and then I have some other deep diving crankbaits that I don't like as much, or... Like one megabass deep diving crankbait that I'm afraid to throw. So why did I buy that? <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to think what else I've got on the crankbait side of things. The one crankbait that I really wish I could easily buy more of is discontinued. And it makes me sad. Ooh. Um, but what is it? It's the Bandit Ledge 250. Ooh. Uh It's like a, maybe like a 10 to 15 foot kind of crankbait probably like 12 foot let's say okay and um it just dude i've just caught a lot of fish on them and i like them they cast pretty good uh they seem to like them but for whatever reason bandits stop making them basically like you know those regular the regular bandits the 250 300 those those ones
2: Mm-hmm. or two
0: i think it's 200 100 200 300 Basically, it's that bait, but with a bigger body. So you can actually cast it much more easily. Um, And uh, it's a good... I I, I would say it's a good bait, but I don't think they make them. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But I bought some on eBay a while back, and I probably should go on eBay again and get some more, or something like that. Uh, Just because they they definitely do work. Um, Okay. Ooh, a saw.
1: Oh yeah, there's we got some we got some stuff happening.
0: It might be an air compressor, actually. Uh, let's we're gonna we're gonna do a little checkup on ye old eBay. Ooh, these are uh nine. These are ninety nine cents right now. What? Well, it's like a bidding situation though. Oh. Oh, I was like, well, have you bought all of them now? I may, I may be you... <laughs> about I may be about to buy some Bandit Ledge 250s cuz I bought it some last spring and uh lost all of them. Mm. Um I lose a lot of crankbaits. <laughs> uh they have a lot of a lot of the best colors they don't have. Um it seems like like they're oh, okay. they're down to a lot of uh kind of weird kind of weird colors but i gotta buy some more of those because i like them and then some dt6s but i'm trying to make an argument in my head for expanding my dt lineup and okay okay i have i don't know what's your what's your opinion on that what ones do you regularly carry well so i you know like i said i'm not i'm not
1: a big crankbait guy and I probably the last three years offshore fishing in Minnesota, like on the rocks and stuff. Um, I never really did it for smallmouth, though. So there were definitely times I caught a lot of fish cranking for smallmouth, but um, most of most of our rock, I would say the majority of time, the stuff I was fishing was anywhere from like eight to like fifteen feet. But I have um, like when I first got into doing offshore stuff, uh, like back in early high school, even probably middle school, uh, like a a DT-16 was like, that was like my jams. Uh, But that was like, you know, Rapala and, you know, it's Minnesota and they're out of there. Uh, But I regularly throw a DT-10 and a DT-14, like, pretty much all the time. I really don't have many Strike King crankbaits um, that I throw. Uh, Simply because, like, man, when I worked at Gander Mountain back in the day, uh, we'd usually get, like, a pretty good deal Like coming into Christmas. You could, like, buy a bunch of stuff for cheap. And really the only stuff that we stocked, like, in terms of multiple depth ranges and colors, were the DTs. So that's kind of just what I've always always kind of rocked
0: and uh i think they eat the tar out of them so you think the 14 and the 10 is kind of the range to be at
1: yeah i've never played with any of the anytime i did need to throw a deeper diving crankbait it'd i guess be like a 5xd
0: yeah uh, then your 6xd 5x then your striking yeah, stuff might yep. come into play a little more
1: yep yeah but i love i love a dg10 i've caught probably more fish on a crankbait on a, on a dt-10 than anything else
0: large mouth or small mouth i like how the dt-10 casts um really yes. i guess all the dts they kind of cast like a bullet but the 10 in particular like it just gets out there yeah um maybe the 14 does too i just haven't thrown the 14 nearly as much yeah you can you can sail the 14
1: um but that's i have one box right now that has um i keep my sixes I have like a springtime kind of crankbait, which is funny because I never crank in the spring. But the last couple of years, I've been coming to Iowa in like late March, early April. And then I can kind of get my early in the year cranking going. Um, So that has a bunch of random stuff. That's got lipless crankbaits. That's got um, some DT6s. Um, I have a couple of Spro's in there. I have a couple, just a whole smorgasbord. But like my... we're going to go, you know, kind of summertime offshore crank in Minnesota, it was just pretty much DT 10s and 14s. There's probably some 16s mixed in there too, but uh, a 10 and 14 would get me through pretty much any fishing situation I'd come across.
0: All right. Now, what about um, colors? Where do you you lean on your DT colors? On your deeper ones, not less. Like, I know for me... I only need one color DT six, um, obviously. Right. The demon. Uh, which one is that?
1: The it's like the red craw one. Okay, I'm not seeing that, but well, that'd be probably the Ike Custom series, maybe.
0: Oh, maybe that's it. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I only need that color. That one's pretty juice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's an argument to be made to not have just that color in the other sizes sure
1: well i um again like most uh, dude the most ice of colors the places, are all nice ones yeah you got like caribbean shad i'm a big fan of yeah um most of the lakes again in minnesota that have dirty water are f- for the most part kind of stained or they're dirtier and uh because of that i would lean on like uh Crimson Chad, which is like parrot, you know, like a blue and chartreuse, um, or it'd be like uh, I always called it hot mustard. I don't know what they call it. It's like the brown and chartreuse. Um, mm-hmm. I have a I have a ton of those. Um, and probably man, what else is the other?
0: This Mardi Gras color is exactly not the color I would think Mardi Gras would be. It's basically just green pumpkin.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, is that the one with, like, the craw pattern on it? Yep. Um, I'm trying to find... Uh, but that's... I usually stuck to the, the brighter patterns in my, uh, in my deeper divers. But, again, that was mostly because of the stuff you were fishing. You know, it was kind of dirtier water, so I wanted a little bit of pop anyway. And the fact that, you know, it's not a... Uh, You know, it's balls of bait, so it's not super uh, loud, necessarily. Uh, Rasta is another one I throw. That's, like, green, orange orange belly, uh, chartreuse side. And then Smash is probably... That's, like, more of my tamer one. It's got, like, the silver on the back with, like, a green pumpkin and then, like, a white belly.
0: That's a really pretty-looking bait.
1: Yeah, but Caribbean Shad and in the ike series they call it old school but they're the original rapala color was called hot mustard that's like brown back uh yellow belly i've caught a ton of fish on hot mustard
0: Hmm. yeah i gotta make some i gotta make some decisions at some point um and uh add to my crankbait arsenal um this is a. Do you just throw the stock hooks on them, or do you change the hooks out? Because I've one thing I've thought sometimes on DT baits. I think it's maybe more on the DT10 than some others. Is that the hooks that come that ha, they have are a little smaller than they should be? I uh, am extremely lazy, so I've just always thrown them straight up. All right, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I guess what it boils down to is really it's after you catch a bunch of fish on it and you start having that you've bent hooks and stuff and you're like all right well now i'm changing my hooks then what do you put on it you know do you put the same thing on do you put something else on sure sure um because i there's not many baits where i just straight up change them uh i'd say the only times where i'll really like just be like i'm gonna just instantly change the hooks on this thing is maybe if i know i'm gonna throw it in a tournament the next day and i'm like i want this hook on it you yeah, know what I mean? That's that's fair. That's if fair. I'm going to if I'm fun fishing 99% of the time, I'm throwing stock just cuz I don't care enough to mm-hmm. change it.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of about where I am. I uh, the the handful of DTs that I've swapped hooks out on, I have at some some points just thrown uh, whatever I had laying around. Uh, I also have a... They used to make a a color that was like a goldfish color. So it's like orange back, gold belly. Um, And when Gander Mountain not Gander Outdoors, but Gander Mountain was closing, I bought like a pile of them from there. And they had the... That was when they used to put the sure set hook on the back of the... Or on the... On their crankbaits on the DTs. And I bought it and I swapped... The tr- I pulled those sure sets off because I use those for ice fishing, with live bait, and then uh, on most of them you'd have a single, just stock VMC hook that came on it. So I had like a pile of those. So that was like where I would change treble hooks from. So it was basically the same hook that came on it now, uh, but that was like the pile I had. Uh, but again, like I never, I don't crankbait fish enough to know like what a good treble hook would be like on a DT-10 or on a 14. Mm-hmm. So I've always just kind of stuck with whatever was straight up most convenient for me.
0: Um, I'm going to real quick find this uh, because I want to know it for sure. Um, but Russell Cecil recommended me in a particular owner hook. Ooh. Um, and I got them and have thrown them, And I... I like them a lot. They are extraordinarily sharp. Um, let's see. You can find this article. It's called a Seas- Shallow Cranking Menu. Menu. It's on flwfishing.com. Um, it's the STX-38. It's, uh, it's not, it's not a round bend, and it's not like a straight-up EWG. It's kind of a, it's kind of EWG, kind of not. You know what I mean? Okay. Um. And I will say that they are extraordinarily sharp straight out of the package. Um, Like, you will be... You will notice that they are sharper than most treble hooks um, Hmm. when you start sticking them into your hands. And uh, (laughs) they seem, you know, they seem to be really good. Uh, And that's the STX-38. But anyhow, obviously there's a lot of routes you can go on, on that treble hook side and, like... Like I said, 90% of oh, time, yeah. the time, okay. the one that's on it is a good hook. I think,
1: uh, I mean, I, you know, we talked about it before, but, like, being being here in Iowa, I think it, a lot of the fishing lends itself to throwing crankbaits more. So I think I'll really be able to, uh, like, I fully intend on ordering a, like, I'll probably order some of these and maybe a handful of other treble hooks um, that I've, you know, no guys throw on their baits or whatever and and actually start playing around with it and probably form an opinion at some point but yeah I've just been straight up lazy about it I never even in most tournaments when I actually was doing a lot of that around the house uh, like a crankbait usually wasn't something I was really planning on throwing that day you know what I mean and if it was you know they were new out of the package and I felt pretty confident that I could catch one on it so yeah I've just I haven't I haven't mean, experienced it enough to really be like, oh, this is the deal. But, hey,
0: if Russell Cecil's telling me to do that, I'll probably listen to him. Yeah, because, I mean, Russell Cecil knows a thing or two about crankbaits. Like, that is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the thing. The other, the other thing about it, crank, Russell Cecil and crankbaits is, you know, he's not catching just small fish on it.
2: Yeah, He's right. catching, like, Texas-sized
0: <laughs> fish, and that's basically it, because he never really caught any fish on tour love you Russell though <laughs> just sti- <laughs> apparently Texas is where you gotta be <laughs>
1: hey man he makes more money fishing in Texas too so I don't blame him
0: yeah um bet he does uh gosh though he's he and he and Castledine both have such a perfect system for fishing in Texas and Castledine obviously has caught him way out of Texas with you know pretty dang good success and it's been a lot harder for Russell. Uh, but, like, both of those guys, you get them down there and you watch them in their element, and it's really, like... You can see why they're so good. It's like when you watch, you know, I don't know, Fighter up north or, you know... Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You watch uh, John Cox fishing in Florida, and you're like, oh, my God. This is... Mm-hmm. This is it. You really... You can see the combination of super good angler and super good local and those guys in texas they fit that a lot Um, and it's uh it's cool to see especially up close uh anything else we want to hit on here because we've probably done a solid 30 minutes or so on random fishing topics which is exactly what people expect um and what we were shooting for honestly man i feel like uh i feel like i feel like i'm good All right. Well, I think I'm in good shape, too. Uh, Kyle, it's been a pleasure. Um, absolutely. FLWfishing.com is a lot of good stuff. Um, Please don't comment too much on social media. Just comment some. (laughs) We love you, though. (laughs) Yeah, you should keep an eye on social media. But also, this is the time of year to hang out
1: with your family. You know, do that. Put the phone down.
0: Yeah, I mean... Actually, the weather's not really that great right now anywhere, from what I can tell. But, you know, go enjoy that. Um, yeah. Do some do some fishing, work on some tackle, things like that. Um, and uh, so so lean in on that, and uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Kyle, uh, you are Kyle Lumber on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, are we gonna get a duck report soon? No, man, forget
1: those stupid things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we just, Kyle is out on ducks. We, Suze is like, we are, I need ducks. Kyle's like, I got no ducks. We
1: <laughs> We're pheasant hunting for the rest of the year.
0: Probably chasing a goose. All right. Well, stay tuned there because there might be some birds. Um, there'll be more fish on uh, Instagram.com slash Jody Blanco if um, we can. Uh, if I get Kurt to go fishing with me. If not, well, maybe I'll go fishing on Friday anyway. Maybe I won't. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, let's see. I think you should go regardless. Honestly, I probably will. I, yeah, okay. Because here's, here's the thing. You know, when I start pointing the truck north uh, for Christmas and stuff like that, well, guess what I'm not going to be doing while I'm up there? <laughs> fishing for <laughs> bass. Mm-hmm. Um so uh then it'll be like all right do i want to have my last day of fishing in 2019 do i want that have to have been december 8th no i don't no, absolutely That's not way too early i want it to be december 13th Ooh, friday no. the 13th i'll probably smash them or That'd die be good luck yeah um the my luck the uh the the coal plant there will explode, killing everyone within a two mile radius. <laughs> They'll shut down the lake. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a real disaster. Uh. Um, I probably should go fish because, like, you know, I should just do it.
2: Yeah, um, couldn't agree let's more. See,
0: oh, we so Kurt and I, and well, actually, a lot of people at the Ben office are going to Phoenix on Wednesday. Oh um, yeah. And so next week, probably I'll know much more about Phoenix boats, other than to say that they have phenomenal combing with rod storage. You know, I'll probably have, well, I will have been there. I will have seen a lot of them in person. I'm not saying I could answer all of your questions about Phoenixes next week, but I'll definitely be able to answer more of them than I can right now.
1: I'm uh, um, I'll be excited to see uh, or hear about you know how it went. Yeah, uh, I I was thinking about
0: going, but then it's like. It's a lot of driving for just
1: it, a day looking at boats. Yeah, I was like, I mean, maybe I'll stop in there. We'll be around that area sometime in the spring. Maybe I'll pop over then, see what's up.
0: Well, that is true, and uh, they are much more convenient to get to than Ranger, as I believe we talked about previously. Yes. Uh, which, you know, I look, I love the Ozarks. Or, well, <clears throat> the Plains. But they <laughs> are hard to navigate compared to hopping on the highway and just driving east <laughs> yep yep um shout out to like the three people that got that planes joke <laughs> um uh. and i guess that'll do it man now i think we're finally done uh well if you want to know anything
1: about phoenix boats or uh you want to tell us your opinion on crankbaits or treble hooks to put on crankbaits. or
0: wish you happy birthday or s- Get your address. Send you gifts.
1: Yeah, all of that can be done. Podcast at
0: com. We love hearing from you. You can also send uh, tackle warehouse gift cards to podcast at fishing com, and Kyle yes. and I will race to spend them. <laughs> yeah, whoever <laughs> opens it first. <laughs> We're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Thankfully,
1: I got a card open. Enter the code <laughs> and it doesn't work. You're like, dang it, Jody.
0: Yeah, so that'll work too if you no, want no, to do no, that. No. Um, you know, just. Feel free to give me a heads up when you're going to send it. I'll be like, hey, sorry, Kyle. I was yeah. ready. Yeah, or-
1: before you before you send it, shoot me a message on Instagram. Let me know what's coming. I'll be ready for it.
0: Anyhow, happy birthday, and uh, it's a good talk.
1: Thank you very much, man. Until next week, everyone. See you.